Hello, welcome to the West Side Podcast. This is where we'll post some of our audio from our sermons on Sunday, and we're so glad that you're here. Westside's vision is to reconcile people to God through the grace of Jesus step by step. We hope you enjoy and thanks for tuning in. Just like Gianna said, my name is Aaron. For those of you, there's so many new faces and so many familiar faces. I love the, the contrast. It's so good. So good to be back. My wife and I, we moved here to Eugene 19, maybe 19 years ago. Yeah. And because uh, this is the 19th anniversary coming up in September. And, uh, and so lots of memories. We raised our family here for about 13 years and was a part of this church. And a part is to see, and, and I was just talking to, you know, Laura and some others. And I was like, it's amazing how many families and kids were impacted because of Westside being here. So it's so cool to be back here at the school. Um, in fact, I have a, a few slides um, of the first Sunday that we were here. And so we have the chairs that you guys are sitting in. This is the same Caforium. And, uh, and we have some familiar faces in there as well. There's another slide um, of Gabe. And some of the kids that are over in the gym right now because they're doing all the waxing down in the classrooms. So we have some of the kids in the gym playing the games and, and being cared for while we're here in our service. And there's another one of Gabe standing right up here with the speakers. And, and so this, this, is a, this was the beginning of, of what God's doing in this community on the west side of Eugene. So many like memories of being here in the Caforium, um, I remember the very first Sunday that he was speaking, he called the night before, and he's like, I'm sick. I'm not feeling good. You guys be praying for me right now. And he came just kind of feeling under the weather, and God came through and, and, uh, and provided him with some relief. Um, the setup and teardown, I remember the crew. The crew, I think it's still called the crew. Come on. We had set up and tear down every, every Sunday. We had the, the container. Actually, we had a trailer for a while, and we would put all the storage things in the, in the trailer and bring the trailer over. And, and just the learning how to like, just be others-focused, learning how to work as a team, and just the, the, the excitement of like, praying over every chair as we were sending it out, putting the speakers, asking God to illuminate his voice through those speakers so that the people would hear them. And so it was so cool, all these raising funds here at Westside to help pay for like the books in the library, right? Raising funds to help pay for all the instruments. And like even the, the rent here at Westside helped fund a teacher here at Westside. And so like it's so cool to think about all the things that over the years, you know, meeting John and Todd Glender down there at North Terry and Barger and we'd go for a run together. And uh, um, and even like that very first month, I think it was like the first month that we were here, um, Dave Lanning came and he spoke this prophetic word over Westside. And he was like, he heard the sound of a drum beat. I remember him talking about the sound of a drum beat and how, how Westside was going to march to the cadence that God had for them, for this church here in this, in this community and, and just kind of spoke that prophetic word. And I think that that's carried on, you know, even as Dave now is in heaven and celebrating with Jesus, like, that's, that's what this church is all about, like, to, 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 to be to the, like, the cadence of what God has for, you know, this community. We learn so much. We learn so much being a part of this community, the importance of serving, being others-focused, uh, the importance of staying in God's word and how that is where transformation really happens. Um, 
and that God's willing to use you no matter where you're at in your journey. That's another thing that we learned in this season as well. And, um, and, and just finding creative ways to reach people that, that normally wouldn't come into a brick and mortar church. Like they would feel comfortable here in a school. This is where their kids come. You know, it's like we got to be, you know, super creative in how we reach this community here at Westside. And Jody and I, we, we love this community. It's, it, our hearts here, we're so excited to see what God's doing in the life. Even in this transition, we, we were a part of two transitions. This is only a third pastoral transition in 19 years for Westside. Now, I'm telling you guys, that, that is awesome. That is really awesome. That, that shows some stability, and God has favor over this church. So I'm actually here not to talk about the memories of Westside, but like, I actually have a message for you guys. And so um, let's get to it. Um, so you guys have been going through the book of Mark. And I, um, Gianna sent this schedule out and she's like, wait hey, Aaron, so here's what you have. We're going to be in chapter 12. And you can kind of pick like between chapter 12 and chapter 13. And so I was kind of reading both those chapters. And um, I was like, oh, I found, I found the spot that, that, that really resonated with me. So. Let's turn, if you have your phone, you can scroll onto your app. Huh? A phone or a Bible. Yeah, phone or a Bible. I know a lot of people don't bring their physical Bible. So you can go to your Bible app or your, or your physical Bible. Open it up to Mark chapter 12. And now I want you to go all the way to the bottom of chapter 12. And we are going to be settling in in verse 41 through 44. So we're going to pop that up on the screen. Um, so here's what it says in the New Living Translation. It says, Jesus sat down near the collection box in the temple and watched as the crowds dropped in their money. Many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped two small coins. So I want to pray as we kind of just jump into God's word. Lord, we, we want to receive, Lord, what you have this morning, Jesus. Lord, we want to offer ourselves up to you. So prepare our hearts for what you have for us, Jesus. Hmm. We give you all the glory. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm so emotional. Like, I remember walking, um, I walked in, I saw the, the roll carts in, in the kids' area, and I was like, oh, I remember. Like, man, so many, like, just so many memories, and so, God, just so much. I, like, I, I feel like my emotions are going to be, you know, just on edge. So just be, bear with me. I, I might have a couple of tears here and there. Um, I can kind of sense it's already there. Uh, so, um, so there was another part to that verse. So then he says, Jesus called to his disciples to him and said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all the others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny part of their surplus but she, poor as she is, had given everything she had to live on. Now, the message version is interesting. It says, all others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. Hmm. So Jesus had just finished teaching in the temple. And uh, so he went to sit down on this bench and he was watching people. Now, I love people watching, like, so much. And I was just at the airport this week. I was in Denver, and it is the biggest airport, one of the biggest in the United States. And so, um, 
so I have a slide of like just the airport scene and I remember um, like standing above and just kind of watching, just watching people and people and just their interactions with each other and just their facial expressions and and it's so cool to see that Jesus loved people watching too. Like he just loved watching people, right? And so I remember when, um, as we were raising our kids, I used to take my daughter Mackenzie on dates. And, and she was young enough to where she didn't have that same desire as I did. So I had to teach her how to love people watching, right? And so, um, so I would take her to, strategically, we, we'd go, we'd have a, a bite to eat, and I'd take her to window shopping to her favorite spots. And then, and then I'm like, hey, um, hey, let's go up to the food court and I'll give you an ice cream. And so we would go to the food court. Of course, it's like usually third floor, so you can like look down. And then we would sit strategically against that glass wall, right? And then we'd set this table and then um, she'd be eating her ice cream and we'd, we'd be chatting. I'm like, hey, so look, look down there. Like, tell me their story. Or I might start it off like, hey, I'm, I'm going to just pretend like I know this person. And so I say, that person's like a banker, and he's really upset at his son right now because, you know, whatever. We just make up these stories, and we just have fun just people watching. And so then I, I, I go, like, your turn. And so I would teach her, and she was like, oh, this is fun. Let's do this some more. And so, so then our dates became kind of not really centered around, but it would include this, uh, this thing of like, hey, let's go watch people. Let's go talk about their stories. And so it's cool to see that Jesus felt, you know, it was so important um, the, that he, he wanted to strategically place himself in a position where he can watch. And it got me thinking, like, he's always watching us. Not like in this, like, creepy way, but like, he, he is observing our interactions with other people. He's kind of watching. He's, he's paying attention to our motives. He's, like, watching how we live our lives. And so I, I guess the question that kind of surfaced as I was thinking about this, like, who are, who are we when no one's watching? Like, who, who are we? Like, when no one else is watching and, you know, like, what does Jesus see in, in our interactions with other people? I caught that, I caught myself thinking about that question recently. I, I woke up early one morning and I was getting ready to go to the gym and I was in a hurry because I needed to get there a certain time before the class started and... And so, like, down our hallway, the laundry room door is usually open, and I see the washer lid is shut, which indicates that Jody had finished a load of laundry, but it hadn't been changed over to the dryer yet. So I'm walking by, and I'm like, oh, that needs to be done. I keep going outside, and I'm thinking to myself, oh, I probably should do that, but I don't want to be late, but I know it would really bless her. Like, she would never know if I didn't see it. Like, I just, just go. I just, so I got my truck, and I'm like, oh, come on, Aaron. Like, it could be five minutes late. It's okay. Just go back in. So I walked back in, and, and you know, and I changed the laundry out, and I was just five minutes late. It's not a big deal. But, it, you know, we are often put in those situations where we have to make that decision when no one is watching. Like, who are we? Like, what kind of decisions? How, do we, how, how are we going to bless people even though no one recognizes that we're doing it? And I know that even though, you know, I know that that would have blessed Jody, you know, um, for that, that morning. Um, so we just have a chance to bless others, even when no one's watching. Um, so let's read verse 42 through 44 again. It says, many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two small coins. And then Jesus called his disciples to him and says, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has given more than all others who are making contributions. For they gave a tiny of their surplus 
but she, she, as poor as she is, has given everything she had to live on. Like I said, you, you'll notice that this was such an important moment for Jesus that he, had, he wanted his disciples to physically come and sit next to him, and he wanted to show them this interaction. He wanted to show them the, the heart behind what she just did. And, you know, because he initially observed that the rich, they were only willing to give just a little bit of what their surplus is. They only gave what they weren't going to miss at all. Last year, I faced a similar situation where these rich people faced. I had a, you know, I, I had a decision to make. I, I, you know, when they were coming up to bring up their offerings, they had a decision. Do I give everything I'm supposed to give to Jesus or do I give just a portion of myself to him? And um, so I had that question kind of surface in my own life. Do I only give a, God a portion of my life or do I preserve my financial security and my stability? Those are the questions I was kind of facing during this, this season. So I did start my law enforcement career here in Eugene in 2009. And when Jody and I left Eugene in 15, I transferred up to the Gresham Police Department. And I have a, a photo of just me in a, in a, in a police car. Um, and so in 2021, I resigned um, from my detective position in order to start my master's program. So I put the uniform back on, I went back to patrol. And, uh, and then in March of last year, I ended up going to a call where a young family got hit by a car and I do some life-saving measures on a little nine-year-old and she passed away in my arms. And so I had accumulated some trauma in my life and, um, and everything kind of flooded to my brain at the same time. And so I ended up with some PTSD and I go through, um, I just wasn't, I, I couldn't focus. I wasn't the same husband, I wasn't the same father. Um, I needed help and yet there wasn't, we never were trained how to get to that help as, as police officers and detectives and stuff. And they, that's something that they really failed to do is, is teach us and provide us with the resources to, to take care of our own minds and take over ourselves. And so I had to advocate for myself. I had to find a therapist. I had to find a psychologist. I had to get around men, around coffee tables and God's word. I, um, you know, my family, um, you know, there was a, a ministry at the church that we go to at East Hill called Listening Prayer. And it's a time where you go in and some trained individuals will, will ask you questions about the situation. One of the questions that they asked um, was, where was Jesus in that moment of your trauma? And that, that, that brought so much healing to me as I, as I began to, to picture and the Holy Spirit brought to my mind that he was holding her the whole time that I was, I was doing life-saving measures on her. And, and, and just to know that God was in control that whole moment. Um, so all of that put together was this journey I took for seven months to try and figure out, okay, Lord, what, what's next? Um, and so, so during that healing journey, I began to ask God, hey, reveal your plans for me. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm willing to go and put the uniform back on. I'm willing to, I like what I do. I'm really good at what I do. Um, I'm only six years away from retirement. Like, hey, come on, let's go. Let's do this, you know? And so, but, but there was this, still this apprehension. And I remember Jody, um, she said, you know, I didn't like you at all from like March until July. 
Like you were not the same person at all. And I don't know if I want you to ever get to that spot again. And, um, and you know, I, my marriage is really important to me. And, and, and so, so that really hit hard. I, I didn't recognize how much I had changed, you know, during that time. And, and so, um, so that I, I began to kind of consider, okay, what, what does that look like? If, if, you know, Lord, if you are asking me to close this chapter in my life, what's next? And, um, and so, because we had become accustomed to all that financial security. We had been accustomed to the great pay and the great benefits and the overtime and, you know, all that stuff was something that I, I still wanted to kind of somewhat hold on to. I wasn't willing, I was struggling letting God control that. And so, um, so I, it was like I was one of those rich people walking up to the offering and only willing to put just a little bit of portion of my life in the basket. And, and God was saying, will you trust me with the other part too? The last portion of the story says, but, but she, the poor she is, had given everything she had to live on. The widow gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. I imagine this widow's faith was so strong, like she must have experienced God in a way where he was faithful to her. She walked up, she probably opened up her pouch in her little purse and just, she's like, I only have two left. I'm just going to grab those two. And God, I'm, I'm just stewarding what you've given me. I'm just going to give everything in. And I don't know how I'm going to feed myself. I don't know how I'm going to pay my rent. I don't know any of this stuff, but I've seen you come through in the past, so I'm going to trust you're going to continue to do it again. It reminds me of, like, even Matthew in chapter 15. It reminds me of, you know, the, in 32 where his disciples, Jesus' disciples come up and said, all we have is, like, this bread and this fish. It's not very much. And he's like, well, I want you to give it all to me. So they did. They gave it all to him. And he ends up blessing it and turn, turns it into feeding 4,000 people, 5,000 people. I recently went on a mission trip to Africa in September and, uh, and asked God to really give me clarity, clarity as to what this future holds for me. And God, you know, while I was over there and ministering and we were able to um, disciple some of these pastors in Burundi, and so these guys will, um, they'll come to know Jesus. And they're in such a small village that the supervisor would say, okay, now you're the pastor of your village. And he's like, but I just know Jesus. He's like, that's all you need right now. You just, just know Jesus and go. Like, show other people what Jesus is all about. So we got to go over and do some discipleship training with these guys to kind of show them what, what's it like to be a church in your community and what's discipleship look like. You know, because they had no idea. And so we got to do that. But while I was over there, I was like, all right, Lord, you know, I, 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 need, I, I need you to speak. I need, I need to know what's next. And he's like, all right, so you are going to go to full-time ministry, you know. Um, and I remember arguing with him. I'm like, but I'm really close to retiring. Like, I, I'm, <laughs> I'm really struggling over off giving everything to you right now. I'm really struggling with this. And I, in fact, I even heard God tell me, you know, um, 
definitely closed this chapter of law enforcement. And, uh, and so I ignored him initially. I, I came back and I was still like, well, maybe I could find another job that's government related. Maybe I can like, like find a job like as a school security officer and I can still get my PERS. I still can retire and have that stability, you know, like, and I remember applying for a couple of positions and door closed, door closed. It's like, God was like, no, I, you need to trust me. And I'm like, no, I don't want to trust you. Like, I, I want, like, this is important, you know? And so I, I remember this, this tension, this struggle that, that continued. God wanted me to trust him with my retirement. He, he said, I'm bigger than that. I imagine myself walking up to those offering baskets and looking into my life and reaching in and grabbing my profession, grabbing the security of my strong income, grabbing those amazing benefits in my retirement, similar to the widow. And then I said to the Lord, all right, this is all I have. I want to offer it all to you. So, October of last year, I submitted my resignation. And I didn't have a plan B in place. I didn't know what was next because he kept closing the doors for, you know, the things that I wanted or I thought I was supposed to be doing. And Jody and I had to trust that God was going to provide in the meantime. And she, dude, I'm telling you, like, Jody from, like, October to, like, February, like, she averaged, like, 60 hours a week. She was, she, yeah. She, she kept our family afloat during that time when we were kind of waiting to see what doors God opened up for us. And you know what's cool is that God continued to provide for us financially even during that time. Like, we paid off both of our cars while I was unemployed. Like, how'd that happen, right? And so, it's just amazing. And so, so we have this slide um, of us getting prayed for. Um, so the council approved to offer me a full-time position at East Hill and, and uh, this is a, a special day so this is her birthday on this day and uh, that day is March 6th um, so last year when I responded to that call, the day was March 6th. Jody was down visiting her cousins and they were celebrating her birthday. And, um, and so um, God released us into ministry on that day. Like God took March 6th of 2021, what could have probably ruined our marriage, what could have probably ruined me. Um, it, it could have probably derailed a lot of portion of my life. And he took me through this journey. And then fast forward a whole year. And now my wife and I are standing up on stage. And God is redeeming all of that. And he's saying, you know what? I'm going to propel you in a whole new season of your life. And I'm going to take what was meant for ruin. I'm going to turn it into gold. I'm going to, I'm going to, turn, I'm going to breathe life into that season of your life. And so now we get to celebrate that day. And not, it's not a day that that is tarnished. It's not a day that, 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 that we have a lot of, of emotional baggage anymore because God's completely healed my brain. 
I don't have any flashbacks. I don't have any of those PTSD symptoms. Um, my wife's birthday has been, pers- per, you know, like preserved. Like she doesn't have to think, oh man, this is the day that we have to go back. Now, no, no, we get to go forward and we get to celebrate her. We get to celebrate this new season that God has done in our life. Remember at worship, right before we, they were doing worship and I leaned over to Jody, I go, Jody, I cannot believe that this is the day. Like we, God just opened a whole new door for us. And so we, tears were coming down our face and we were just like, wow, Lord. Because we were supposed to be prayed for the week before and we were to, we were down visiting some friends in Los Angeles. So March 6th ended up being the day that you know, Keith was available and he had no idea that that was a significant day in our journey. And so, um, the, the, here's the good news. Listen to this. Here's the good news. Jesus, he gave the ultimate sacrifice for us. The ultimate sacrifice. He offered up his only son. He said, I give you my son. And, and doesn't just say, I'm gonna give him to you for a season. Like he's like, no, he's going to die for each and every one of us. That is such good news. And, and, and died for each and every one of us so that we can spend eternity, so we can have a life, we can live for Jesus. He walked up to the offering. He's like, I'm gonna give it all. And then Jesus points out to his disciples, hey, what that widow did, I want you to do. Remember the motive behind her. Like she gave it all. She had no idea. This is an example of how we need to live our lives. Maybe you're here this morning and this is the first time you've heard of Jesus. And here's the good news. He wants to meet you where you're at this morning. Maybe you've been following Jesus and maybe you haven't really fully trusted him. Up until this point, you've only really given a small portion of your life to him. This morning, he's asking the question, will you give it all to me? Will you even offer the parts of your life that you've been hiding that I know about already? Will you give that to me? We give your brokenness to me. We give that relationship that didn't work. We give that to me. I think this morning God is challenging some of you to offer whatever you have. To not hold back. To trust that He will be your provider to trust that he'll take that loaf, those few loaves of bread that you have to offer and to take the two small fish that you have to offer so that he can bless it and he can say, I will miraculously only provide for what you need. But I won't just provide for what you need, but he's gonna use your life to be a blessing to those around you. All we have to do is be available to trust him and to have faith that, all right, Lord, 
I, I'm not used to trusting people, but I, I want to put my trust in you. What does that look like? And he models that for us. And this morning, I think, you know, we just want to take some time to, to examine and say, all right, Lord, what part of my life have I, have I kept from you? And, and I want to, and he wants to come in and he wants to provide the healing. He wants to provide the encouragement. He wants to breathe new life into this next season. So as, as I close, I'm going to have Dan come up, and if you can like strum the guitar. And then I've heard that after, as we're closing, I, I'm sensing that maybe some might need some prayer. And, I, and I've told that I think over on the left, there's some like prayer options and I want to be available. Um, I've asked my wife to come with me and we'll kind of stand over there if there's some other people that can pray. I, I think what, what I'm sensing is that Lord really wants to, um, to work in each of your lives right now. I think all of us are on the journey. We're, we, haven't, we haven't ascended. We haven't got to the peak of where we're at. So we all are learning how to live the life of Jesus in our own lives. And so, so this morning, his word encourages us and challenges us to live like him, to offer everything that we have. And it, and it takes a lot of courage. It's not easy to, to step out into the unknown and say, well, I don't know what's next, but I'm gonna trust that you're gonna do this. That takes a lot of boldness and a lot of courage. And so there's fear, there's shame, there's, there's emotions and there's things that the enemy wants to do to prevent you from moving in that direction. But God wants to open the door and breathe new life into those areas of your life. It's really good news. So let's just take a moment, let's close our eyes, just be quiet. And I want you to ask the question, ask the question, Lord, where have I not given all to you? What part am I holding back? And then if, as the Holy Spirit speaks to you, because he's speaking right now, you say, all right, Lord, give me the courage to give it all to you. Take away any fear, take away any shame. Lord, I, I want to submit my whole life to you because I can't burden it all on my own. It's not easy, but he's faithful. He brings life. So Lord, examine our hearts, Jesus. Speak to us. Just put your hands out in front, just in the receiving position. I feel like God wants to deposit things into your life right now. And this is a, 
a posture of surrender. This is a posture of, I'm offering it to you, Jesus. And just imagine whatever part that the Holy Spirit's illuminating your life right now, that's in your hand right now. You're giving it to him. You're offering it to him. give our lives to you, Jesus, the whole of our life. Lord, will you take any brokenness, Lord, that that we have, Lord, will you immerse your grace and your hope within our brokenness, Lord, and bring healing and transformation in those areas, Father, so that we can have the courage and the boldness to to trust you, to trust you're going to care for it. Lord, thank you for modeling a life of sacrifice, a life of offering everything you have so that we can know you, we can live for you, and we can live in eternity with you, Jesus. I pray for each and every person in this room, Father. They would experience you in a new way, Father. Will you illuminate their their minds? Will you open their ears so they can hear your voice, Jesus? Lord, speak life into those areas of their life, Jesus. That they would walk up and they would open up their life. They would reach in and they just want to grab just a little portion they feel comfortable with, Lord, but they would grab it all and say, Lord, I give you. Lord, I give you my family. I give you my finances. I give you my profession. I give you my dreams. I give it to you, Jesus. Lord, and then, and then in return, Father, will you bring life, will you breathe life into that area, Father? Breathe. Breathe, Lord. That those dry bones would become alive. And that the fruits of the Spirit would just, would just begin to produce within this community, within this church, Lord, as strategically you placed Westside here at Prairie Mountain, Father, I pray for every family in this community, Jesus, Lord, that you would be a light in the darkest place of this community, Father. Lord, that you would propel, Lord, your vision, Lord, uh, just your, your voice that it would be heard everywhere, Father, that every person in this room, Lord, would go And they would be able to speak the name of Jesus into every situation that they're in, Lord, in their work at the school, Father, that kids would come to know you, Jesus. Lord, that the gifts, Lord, would be produced in their lives, Father, that that they would be bringing their, their friends to Jesus, Father, Lord. And Lord, teach people how to pray for each other. Teach, Lord, how, how like Westside can be such a blessing to this community, Father. We pray for this transition that they're going through, Father. Breathe life into that as well, Lord. Bring the right person, Lord, to be here at Westside to propel them in the next season, Jesus. We give you all the glory. We give you all the praise, Father. Amen.